Welcome to the Lesbo and the Bean universe. Lesbo and the Bean. L-A-T-B. Lat-B. Where mixed martial arts and the UFC get silly. Big silly. Buckle up and move your tray tables to their upright position. And please, somebody shut that baby up. It's time for Lesbo and the Bean. Welcome back. Welcome back. Episode 196. We got a pay-per-view finally upon us, and oh man, this is one of the most stacked pay-per-views we've had in a long time. Before we get to all that, how have you been, Lesbo? How's the Twitterverse treating you lately? Um, I think the hottest thing going on right now is the TJ Dillashaw shit. Well, boy, was I wrong about my boy TJ. I, I'm, <laughs> this is what I feel about TJ Dillashaw. I was literally the last, the last, I bought the very last seat on the train. To the TJ. Everybody else had already been on it when it was the on. The bean ever. <laughs> and then the train's like going off a cliff and everybody else is long off. Last person still on the train. First on, first off rules with TJ. So, uh, yeah, I guess the EPO thing is... Um, I just want to say, am I one of the few people that regularly talks about EPO? Because I'm uh, most of the time people are like steroids, tyrannibal, like big muscle builders. And I'm like, the real abuse is in the EPOs, guys. The real abuse, the one that everyone's like, oh, it's that cardio. When you can go eight rounds and not fucking lose a beat, you're going to beat some people. Especially when you're one of the guys that's known for your cardio. When you're a, like TJ Dillashaw. Million percent. Type dude. And yeah, that, that's what, if for those not in the know, the EPO is kind of like, uh, for, for those silly people who actually get their MMA news from us, <laughs> Um, the EPO is the stuff that, um, is that what Lance Armstrong got in trouble for? And Chael like, Sonnen. And the cyclists, though, it ups cardio. All of the up. cyclists. Correct. That's correct. That's one of the main ones. There's even a uh, myths or legend of cyclists having to wake up at 12 or 1 a.m. on cycling days and actually have to cycle because their blood's so thick that it'll actually cause cardiac arrest while they're sleeping. So they have to schedule that, those into their training and You'll hear every trailer supposedly at night, they, them spinning inside their trailers. All of them, though. Why? Because everybody is on steroids. Everybody. And it uh, actually oxygenates their blood to a super format. And everything that TJ talks about, even in his training, is that kind of... He seems like... Doesn't... You know what? Doesn't he seem like a Lance Armstrong type? A million percent. But what you're telling me is that on it doesn't work. You are lying. On it well, works. On it works. They said this is a brand new test that has just come out, so they can test for this EPO now. And immediately, TJ seemed to know what he was busted for. Yeah, he's like, I'm out. For it. Immediately, here's the belt, you guys, and I'll see you in a year. Uh, two years, two years. So, um, I now because uh, Henry Cejudo and um, what's that Garbrandt, Cody Garbrandt, everyone's talking shit. So now they're starting to test. TJ supplements back because this isn't a test they do on all the supplements. This is something now that has been created that they're pulling on random ones. So uh, this is something that they potentially now that he they have this new test for sure. it. Now they can test back and Cody Garbrandt saying he's never lost to somebody who wasn't on steroids. Interesting, very interesting because that's a very select 
few bit of people he that have been able to do that. In and you've given him credit over and over again for being like, you even said it when TJ got busted this last time. Like, Cody's been telling y'all he taught all it, the alpha male how to use EPO. And he actually specifically says EPO. EPO. In the, in the exactly. Interviews. So. Interesting. And what else? What's alpha crumbles. male known for? Their cardio. Car what? And we've been talking about a camp that's shot down, a camp that's not there anymore, a right. camp that we think might be alpha male. Champ Mendez off of the juice, came back and retired his first fight back. No, second. He did come out with oh, his first Oh, true. Fight. You're right, you're right. Um, just you know your Chad. You know your Chad Mendez. He was my last. He was my last <laughs> alpha male guy I was on board with. And once he retired, I retired. Alpha male. Alpha male. So, yeah, I've been super heavy into that. And uh, I like Luke Thomas does like a 20 or 30 minute on it. And I like his, and I think it might be off of the, not the MMA fighting. You know how he had his old show before? Right. Um, it's something separate than that. So if you're looking for something, it, it was educating on it without talking shit. Like, I want to know about the whole thing. Now, second question. Does TJ have a career anymore? He's 33 years old right now and he's retired like two years off, two years suspended. I do think that more than likely if he comes back it's not going to be in for a title run he might stick around the division and still beat a lot of uh the young guys but our sport like lat b is constantly evolving in two years i mean you can be a on uh buffer radio getting all the way to the big top getting all the way on to finally instagram and twitter and all that mess getting a new studio i think that it's too long to stay away from the game here, we couldn't stay away for two years, come back into it. Again, he'll train, but there's nothing like in cage time. So I do think that this might be his little his little back step out. Or if he comes back, it's just it'll be more of a tarnish on his legacy instead of a bright spot. More kind of like Chad Mendes. He'll get a winner too. Rinsed. Like he's no, he's no been longer in, in talks for the GOAT, no longer in talks like he's rinsed. Like he loses all Asterix. He's very bonsed. Yeah, uh, yeah, there it goes. Another one bites the dust. Another one. It's not just him. So it's kind of a steady theme. The only ones I feel like I personally feel like has not been on steroids. And I totally could be wrong. DJ. He's the only one I feel like didn't ever look like he was on steroids. Had crazy cardio though. What about though. the Diaz brothers? They're the, they True. have bodies like guys that True. do cross I would that agree. kind of cross country triathlon shit. They're probably um, not on steroids. And they talk shit about it like guys who don't do wacky shit. Right. And they'll tell you, I'll pop on weed all day, every day. Like they'll tell you, which did you see Henry Cejudo taking a hit all over Mike Tyson? <laughs> I didn't get to watch it. I saw the picture though. I just saw the way he was holding it, <laughs> holding the um, little rolled up. The roach? Yeah. The little, the little joint or whatever. So it was kind of. So had he done it before? Was that, did he inhale? <laughs> Henry Cejudo. Do you think he has? I, I think he has because there was a bit of technique. It just wasn't, it wasn't improper. It was just very like Southern California Cholo style to me. It looked like an old Cholo taught him like, you grab it like this in case the cops are coming. Yeah, and, and, and then you can take it behind your hand and no one says shit. Like that's the kind of what I saw, but it was awkward. It just was like, you're talking to someone. Why would you put your hand in front of your face like that? So that's what I saw. That's my breakdown. <laughs> that's your break. I'll have to watch it and get back to you. The choloness of Cejudo coming through. You know, he's got a Latino family. Latino yeah, true, family. true. Someone so, else is happening. 
there's always Habib Connor talk. I feel like that Lobov Jason Knight fight is still ready, fresh in everyone's ears, but everyone's ready to move on to this pay per view. Other biggest news? I don't really have none. There's been more fights. It's really just been the TJ stuff, as far as I know. And then other than that, everything's oh, been about the actually like, late breaking co-main and main. Late breaking, BJ Penn officially cited for domestic abuse. He has a restraining order what? from his wife. I haven't seen the exact details, but I do know that there has already been a few sources. This is probably an hour and a half, two hours ago what now. What is happening with the men out in Hawaii? I can't, no comment. <laughs> I just meant race, Ra Ra Rachel, Rachel Oates the bitch's um, whole problem and stuff. I think of Travis Brown just beating up that guy who jumped into that ring. <laughs> who had, was a amateur MMA fighter, by the way. Which I found out. The guy who tackled Bret Hart. So, I find it interesting. A lot of people have started to ask. And here, you were one of the first saying it was a work from the beginning. I didn't think so. I thought it was a shoot. More people are starting to be on board with Lesbo here as far as what she saw. I was really surprised at how many people think that was a work. Only, it, it's a work if Travis Brown walks into wrestling. And this starts being his thing. Which you Which were, we, we were right. both yeah. talking about. That way, right? He <laughs> needs to. Interesting how I saw other media sources, MMA media sources, saying the same thing. Like, hey, Travis Brown's about to be in WWE. He fits the part. He's a giant. Like, make him a Hawaiian badass duck. Like, you don't need to write nothing. It's there. Same with Rhonda. You didn't need to write her a character. Travis has exactly. that same background. That's so true. That's so true. And like, they're why. MMA fighters. Okay, go with it. Do you think part of this was done, um, you know, because Rhonda lost to the man? Uh, do you think part of it was done to lighten, like, try to get the her come back and be a graceful loser so the MMA fans can quell their fire because she burnt us like, I, that's not enough for me it ain't enough for me a botch in a pin which i don't even know enough about it but it didn't look like her shoulders flat by any means so botching the finishing move for the main event i mean that's probably as deep as i'm gonna get into wwe for no, another five meant, or nine years i did not mean the i don't fight care at all. i did not want to break down with the fight Oof. i didn't watch a thing <laughs> i just meant the whole thing is a soap opera true so they set up Rhonda to it's lose. It's not going to work for me. Just so, in my opinion, like, she comes and she's a really gracious loser and it makes everything. She redeems herself finally. Yeah, like, she. there's a part with the MMA fans. I don't I think guess. it happens. You know what, everyone? I don't think it happens. There you go. We At least it wasn't Connor Rhonda talk. We just TJ Rhonda <laughs> But we did WWE. The casual section of the podcast. I was judging other podcasts for WWE last week. Interesting, and here I in feel like head. it's a topic we have. I know in my head, regularly. but I feel like we're jokey, like we're dumb. Not like we're dumb, but we're not like like Luke Thomas. You go to, and he talks about any one subject for a minute, and he has tape footage where he pauses it and does all like you know he's going from DC to New York, like he's doing all this next level. Like we're like D or C list. <laughs> like we're not quite aiming high <laughs> if, if like it was fame well maybe we'll get there but oh, we're getting if there. like <laughs> in the world of mma media we are like the big brother of mma podcasts or like uh the bachelorette like it would be that level of reality television survivor like, I, I thought not... we would be like the 
Housewives of Atlanta sisters. Same, same. Like, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Like, yeah, yeah. like five removed. We're something on like <laughs> Bravo Late Night or VH1. Uh, Bravo Plus On Demand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if they have that, but like, yeah. You know, if Luke and Ariel and Chael and totally. Big Brown, if these guys Those are, are like sitting up there, Joe Rogan obviously, oh, obviously. is like. Princess Diana. But what Joe Rogan's like A on A-list now, is he not? He's made it to A-list. A-A-list levels. Yeah, of celebrity. But yep. then I feel like of MMA media as well. He he's gold star top, territory. Top tier. He's of gold MMA star. Media. So crazy. We live in a crazy world. But that is another reason where I think they're losing out a little bit on Joe Rogan's star power, I think. I think they're being silly. I think Joe is starting to understand what is worth and influences and he's starting to be a little expensive because he's making a lot of money on Onyx. So you got to be able to make it worth his time. And that podcast. And that podcast. That podcast is. And great. those JRE clips, which he monetizes all separately by 10 different yeah. channels. Anyway, so I don't mean to say we're dumb. <laughs> we love that you're here. Thank we you very much. We just try to be silly and corny and like. Agreed. Not take ourselves too seriously. 100%. 100%. Which, if you haven't heard, we're going to be making it a little more palatable for everyone. I feel like there is obviously changes on the horizon if you haven't been seeing desks moving around constantly. Nothing has been set in stone. But one thing that we do have to finally get to, UFC 236, a rematch at 155 pounds from 145 pounds. This is going to be a star-studded event. I mean, this is one of the most fun cards I've seen in a long time, and we came off of a long streak there, but this pay-per-view is bringing it. I feel like there might be one or two stayaways on the entire night, but I got finishes left and right, underdogs for days. If you listen to that, be you're making money. That's going to be a guarantee this coming up weekend. Oh, a guarantee? Woo! <laughs> All right, you're making me back, Seth. You're making me back, Seth. You, should, you gotta pump that. You gotta pump that. Let's see, let's see. Let's get into it. We gotta get into it. It is gonna be a 13-card event, starting off with 135 pounds, with debuting Randy Costa, El Zohan himself, against Brandon Davis. Davis being a long-tenured UFC fighter, 9-6. and six. He's coming off of a two-fight losing streak to Enrique Barzola's decision, also losing to... Zabit, Megamed, Cheripov, Via, Nibar, Berzuliev, Stretch. It was Lesbo's submission of the year. So we haven't seen him since then. But Davis, being the head striking coach for Alan Belcher's team, likes to get his Muay Thai going in there. On the ground, he's proficient, obviously, against um, Zabit level of ground game and wrestling. It was, he was being able to be exploited. But Zohan here... Hasn't really shown us that. I mean, Brandon Davis has been training at top level and had decision with Barzola's Barzola, I mean, and also gotten a couple UFC wins against Steve Peterson and losing to Bochniak in a decision. But we've just seen a lot more tape from Davis, and he's really starting to slow it down, coming to his own, and he has a lot of veteranship, even though he's still young in his career at 28 years old. I do think that eventually that's going to play a role just because those bright lights do the, do shine very brightly. And Luozon, teammate, perfect 4-0 and oh, as a 
professional. He started fighting last year in 2018, has got four knockouts in a row. He is the Zohan, throws kicks from every single angle, but he only fought one guy with a winning record. Most of the guys he's beaten are 0-0, 1-2, 0-2. I mean, it's crazy low level, and I feel like Joe Lozon's uh, credentials and coaching and his ties with Dana White kind of got Zohan here. He did what he was supposed to do by finishing these barely professional level fighters on losing records. He finished them. Actually, the toughest fight Zohan had was his debut as a professional, and the guy took him down. He was a little ball of muscle, looked like a wrestler, ate a couple of those kicks, and ended up uh, getting early stoppage. But since then, Zohan ran through everyone, and it was mainly with these kicks against guys who just looked fairly tentative and scared in there. Zohan comes out, and in three of his fights that I saw, because they were all in 30 seconds, he threw a question mark kick. But he throws them from both sides, and he'll throw a question mark kick with his left, land on his right foot, and then throw that right, and it catches guys off guard, it catches them quick. But against the Brandis Davis level of fighter, um, he can eat a couple of those kicks, they might compromise him, but he'll be able to gather himself, keep moving forward. So I do expect them to eat a couple shots, but so far I feel like I've seen harder shots landed on Davis and him being able to move through those well. So I do think that the further this fight gets, the easier it gets for Brandon Davis. And I actually have a TKO round number three. There's a lot of hype on Zohan. There's a lot of gym talk, but this is the big show. This is the big game. It's different nowadays. And I got TKO round number three, Davis. I think Zohan just doesn't have a gas tank for it because there's been nothing that have told me he does. Who do you have in this fight and why? First one of the night. I do think that Randy Costa is from the right camp, that they do understand what he's getting into. And he might be able to go far in the UFC, but I can just tell that he doesn't hasn't fought anyone with a winning record in four over four years. So Brandon Davis, we always talk about it, that UFC experience, that UFC experience. Now the battle is I stick with what I know easily with Brandon Davis. That's um, a rule here for me. But then also I got to stay away from the first and the fight of the night. For some reason in my head, do I want to put my money on Brandon Davis? Is he a guy that's fighting for his slot right now in the UFC? Or is he a guy that always goes and gives an action-packed fight, will get in a throwdown so they're excited about it, and he just goes out there and is a punching bag and lets a guy do what he wants to do? I can't understand why some guys coming in on a losing record into the, like, or fighting guys with a losing record into the UFC like this. There was favors pulled here. Yeah, it's a, it's a gym push for some reason. It's a Lozon push so. because he just retired and it's like I got Davis decision because I wonder about the power in his hands with everyone and that's why they put him in with all these gym favorites that's who he seems to fight and then these guys make a name off of him like as a beat and whatever but he's a warrior and he goes in there to throw away so like or swing away so it makes me wonder if some guy who is a specialist is going to catch him and that's what he's set up to yep. do so I have Davis decision and I'm just going to stay away from the first fight of the night how cheap is he Brandon Davis being the favorite at minus 155 is 8,700 on DraftKings against Randy Costa's 7,500 plus 130 underdog. The debuter, I feel like might have opened slightly as a favorite, but since the community's come in and just been like, come on guys, this guy's really not tested. The finishes he was getting against low caliber guys, I mean, it was not something to be 
super proud of. Not Brandon Davis's wins. I mean, Zabit, Bochniak, Barzola's. I those agree. three names are all. <laughs> all those guys would walk through Randy Brown. For sure. it, it, it makes Randy me just Kozak. question, like, is Brandon Davis the guy that we know that's going to stand and bang? And that's what the UFC knows that he's going to do. So if he goes up against the specialist that sets up this question mark kick or whatever yep, he does, that's what he is does. that what Brandon Davis is there to do? So just, just eat I'm it. a little tentative, like, is this a setup fight? We usually do stay away from the first fight of the night. Yeah. I think Davis really has to put it together. I, he easily could get that decision win and for 8700 he's not going to be able to pay that off but if he gets a finish it'll be close especially in that third round where he only gets 50 points plus whatever he accumulated for the first two rounds so at 7-5 i have other underdogs throughout the night that have as high as ceilings but i do think that costa you can put on a couple lineups just because if you even touch this fight at all usually we stay away just because if it's a quick this guy if he finishes it's quickly the, this fight fills every rule of the, the night. Every rule. Even the dogger <laughs> pass rule. So, yeah. Done. Done, skis. At 115 pounds, we have Paulina Botello versus Lauren Mueller. Mueller coming in with a 5-1 record, getting her first loss ever against Yan Wu. Armbar submission four months ago. I think this was out of China. She was a minus 500 favorite going into that fight. Ended up eating a couple body shots, getting put on the ground and armbarred. It was really, really pretty unreal. I here was really hard up on Mueller. Thought her wrestling was going to get through here, but she was fighting a lot of losing fighters. Her first four wins prior to getting into the UFC were not good and. Woo, I don't think is that high a caliber, honestly, yet in the UFC, but she looked like a world beater in there against Mueller. So Mueller, what if she she's a front runner? If she can get a wrestling going, she can get you on the ground and start grappling. That's where she wants to be. But as far as strikes, she shies away and doesn't take strikes well. And against Botello, who has a hard ass front teep and a front kick to the body, I think that this stylistically is a nightmare matchup. For Mueller, I thought Mueller was just about, was going to have better takedowns. Everything I just saw was so rough. I know she had to fly to China, so that could be taken in a way. But from what I see, Botello's even her, she's 7-2. and two, Her only loss in the UFC is to Cavillo. And she actually defended five of those first takedown attempts. Uh, five to four of those first takedown attempts against Cavillo. But eventually the wrestling came through. And I think that if... Potello fights off one or two of those takedowns and lands a couple intermittent shots in between before she shoots again. Eventually, we're going to see Mueller fold up to a body shot. And I got TKO round number two. Might switch that to one, but I think Potello, this is stylistically perfectly set up for her. Just, you're as good as your last fight, unfortunately. And Mueller really, really let me down. I think a lot of people see that her being the underdog right now. Give me Botello. Who do you have in this fight and why? I have Botella decision right now. I don't feel good about it either way. I know this is a setup stand-up fight, I feel like, for these women. And it's so, what is it, Muay Thai versus... Wrestling, because Mueller does not have good striking. A pitter-patter jab to throw an overhand right to usually go to grappling. And, again, once she wasn't able to do that against an Asian a fighter. Yep. And then she throws... Well, that could be really... I mean, Tatiana Suarez is just, you know... Sure, but she's not even a, a submission threat. When she gets to the ground, Mueller, she more like rabbit punches you and it's not even knockout. It's more just beat you by a thousand cuts off of the ground. Yeah, I, uh, I just like Pollyanna's uh, 
record a little better who she's fought. Um, I th I'm probably going to stay away from this fight too. I know you see a finish here, and I do. You think it's a body kick setup? Yep. Um, that seems to be something that she likes to pull off, and I could totally see that going down. Yeah, that's exactly what she did to Kondo. Yep, that's yeah. exactly. But and it was a hard kick, and Kondo's a high level striker, so a Mueller's lacking definitely in her striking. So I think after a couple again, those are discouraged. Eight thousand. Botello is awful against wrestlers because isn't that a big thing that? She, Kind of cost but Cavillo's way better wrestler still than what Mueller last showed us. Mueller just couldn't beat an Asian fighter in wrestling. I'm just saying, I don't, could be wrong there. Could be a bad stereotype. But a non-wrestler came in and easily worked her. Again, she got beat up on the feet before that happened. So there is other factors. But the favorite right now, minus 160, Botello is 8,900 on DraftKings against Mueller's plus 135, 7,300. I totally agree with that, though it's really high. She has to get a finish to pay that off. So I'm going to probably do like 40 to 30% Botello and zero Mueller, but I'm not going to overexpose myself to this I may fight. I one and one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. On to 135 pounds, we have Montel Jackson versus Andre Sukemthath. This is how we do it. Montel Jackson coming in at a 7-1 record, getting a win over Brian Kelleher's submission darts three months ago. Prior to that, losing to Ricky Simone, but winning his contender series fight via TKO. Notably, Montel Jackson has the biggest hands in the UFC, having bigger hands than Francis Ngannou. At 135 pounds, he needs bigger gloves. That shit be cray. That is unreal. So he comes in with heavy, heavy strikes. He's only been a professional fighter for a little over a year as well. Only started wow. training about a year and something. But naturally an athlete, super heavy-handed, great movement, great footwork on the ground, is naturally just gifted. This guy's just a fighter and really shown it against Kelleher. I mean, he schooled him on the ground. And Montel Jackson is known to be more of a striker. So it's really... Interesting that he's the biggest favorite of the entire night here, Montel Jackson, because I do think it's playing off of that um, Brian Kelleher, Kelleher win. Being a huge underdog. Exactly. Or I think it was fairly close, but nobody saw the submission coming. So people are like, wow, this guy's good on the ground and striking. He's going to be a monster. I think what his kryptonite is those wrestlers that Simone did was just keep taking him down so much that he can't get those punches off and he loses on the scorecards. And unfortunately for Sohamthath, that's not his style. The 13 and 6 fighter is a counter striker with good switches, has a mean straight left, and is really such a counter striker that he's tentative and has low output and has some, arguably, some of the worst fight IQ in there. I know he's got a finish as of late, um to Luke Saunders, but then he lost to, who was it? Sean O'Malley in the decision where Sean O'Malley obviously broke his foot and all he needed to do was take him down. So there's that questionable IQ. But as of late, he beat Jonathan Martinez in a close decision, ended up using that striking to knock down Martinez three, if not four times in that fight and still just didn't have that killer instinct to go in there and try to finish it. Again, just questionable IQ for Sokhamthath. And I like him because his Muay Thai is crisp. He has a really good jab, but he doesn't follow it up. So Hamthath will throw one or two heavy strikes and then sit there. And he'll get countered or then just react. So 
I think he gives away more fights than he wins a lot of the time, unfortunately, for his style. And I, Jackson just has kind of his choice of where he wants to take this fight. So Hamtats' uh, takedown defense is pretty good. And he actually has decent shots when he does shoot him in there. Jackson can get taken down and has been taken down by everyone. But I just don't see So Hamtats having the wherewithal that even if he starts to win a fight... To just have faith in him. I got Jackson decision. I know this is the biggest favorite of the night. I don't think it should be that big of a favorite. I think so Ham that sits back so much that it turns like Theradoa type fight. Where you're like, oh, what are they doing in there? Oh, all of a sudden it's a decision. So I think there's a low score all the way around. I know tons of people are going heavy Jackson. That's cool if you're betting wise. But draftings wise, I see this being pretty much a stay away. In my eyes. Is he patient enough to sit back and wait? Or is he going to get frustrated and pull, do something crazy? I think that Jackson will also sit back as well. And they'll just kind of feel each other out. But I feel like one of them's, there's just, they're not going to be there to fight each other. So Hamtheth almost turns and runs at times. Like he will literally turn his hips and be like, okay, I'm going to get back over here. And it'll take 30 seconds in between time. He takes a lot of rests and slows down fights he slows down a lot of fights look at his fight statistics a lot of people don't have high outputs and it's because he hurts you so Hamdath stays on a game plan but he limits himself with that game plan yeah so i think it's a decision but a lot of people see a finish here do I you see a finish a decision as well just uh i don't think uh so Hamdath is chinny at all i agree and at this you know not that we don't see crazy heavy-handed guys at this division and jackson could for sure be one of those dudes i just um Andre Sohantas, the Asian sensation, is going to make you work for that decision. And, uh, yeah, I think it could turn boring as well. So, Jackson, decision. Uh, I can't see him being this heavy of a favorite. I think he should be, because I think it could go to decision, and I think it could even be a split, depending on, where are we? What are we doing? We're uh, in Atlanta. Thing, we are in Atlanta. We are in Hotlanta. Hotlanta. So. We are, yeah. Take a shot anytime we say hot Lana for the rest of the <laughs> Isn't that the how many times are they gonna say hot Lana was a bet for the Super Bowl? So Montel Jackson, huge favorite in Hot Lana. He isn't local, he's fighting out of Wisconsin. The more local guy is so Hamthath being the top team fighter now for a little while. Agreed, the line's off here. 9,400 on DraftKings for the minus 400 we favorite. We both have him to win. Take it for what it is. I just don't know if it's going to be as high a point. He has to, has to score 90 points or above. Yeah, I think that would actually be something like, hey, do yourself a favor. Maybe don't put that on your cards. I agree. People, if they go heavy on that uh, because of the Brian Kelleher, uh, it could be dangerous. Unless you see a submission happening. I don't see that happening as well. I think they keep this striking the entire time. So Cam Thath ends up being... Did Brian hurt something in himself? I think he get ate a punch. <laughs> that hurt him and then he went down and ended up getting darsed. Um, 6,800 for the Asian sensation. I don't think I'm going to play him anywhere. He's just usually fairly low output. But he does have power. I'm going to stay away from this fight completely on DraftKings. I don't see any value on either guy. There's going to be other spots. I don't think this is one of them whatsoever. At welterweight, we have Bolil Mohammed coming in against Curtis, Curtis Melender. Being 17-4, and four, Curtis Melender has already had quite a few fights in the UFC. Winning his contender series fight, beating Max Griffin in a decision. Then ended up beating... Um, 
Badhurazara in a decision three months ago, just got his first loss against Ezekiel Zaleski. The underdog that Latby here called out was obviously just a little bit better on the ground, and Zaleski came out afterwards and said, oh, my coaches said uh, Melender doesn't have a ground game, so as soon as he went there, it was easy pickings, and it showed it. Curtis, Curtis Melender is a striker, and a really, really good striker at that. There's a reason that there's a lot of hype on guys, and he scared people. He was showing uh, intermittent takedown defense, but if you get him to come in on his strikes like any good wrestler will, you'll be able to get him on the ground, and Melender showed a lot of grappling disadvantages that once he gets down, he didn't really show that he could get back up against Zaleski. Again, Zaleski's a badass, but that's a UFC, baby. Like, that's what you get. So, Belil Muhammad here is definitely the type of guy to be able to exploit that one avenue that Melender has issues with, and it's the takedown defense, and then once he's on the ground, getting back up. That's what Belil Muhammad does. His striking's always getting a little bit better. He's training out of that Rufus Sport Academy, having all sorts of great training partners. He's coming off with a 14-3 and record. As of late, though, he just came off a brutal loss to Geoff Neal in a all-heart bout two months ago. And if it was a lot of other corners, I think the towel could have been thrown in at times. Because Muhammad got his ass kicked in the third round, got up, and kept moving forward. And you got to give him credit for that. How many weeks ago did that happen? Eight weeks ago. Eight weeks ago, he had the daylight beat out of people. him. Just saying, He ate how many head kicks in that by Neil? How many flush straight kicks to the face? So, he is a little bit... I mean, his brain's a little rattled still. I don't think it's healed fully enough. Then, what do I know what I'm talking about? These are just rules that we tend to play here at Lappy. And this is one of those, like... When you cross this line, it's like, ooh, okay, I really need to be careful with my money here because I can't trust. Your, I know your heart's there, but your mind not be fully healed. So, exactly. with Melender, a guy's heart will kill him. A hundred percent, he'll die. He'll die in that ring. And Muhammad yeah. is one of those guys. But if he gets it to the ground even once, Muhammad could exploit this fight and end up winning. So this is a coin flip, coin flip of a fight. I see how Muhammad is the rightfully so favorite here and. He's a minus 125 favorite. I do think the wrestling takes over. And I do think with the D1 wrestling, he immediately pushes them up against the fence, takes them down, and it's the Mission City. <sighs> but if one kick, one knee lands with all that damage, I got Muhammad decision. I almost switched to Melender just because it's one of these rules that we don't like to cross that line. But I'm going to stay away from this fight. I'm going to sit back and watch. There's too many intangibles. There's holes that can be exploited on both sides right now. And it's just Muhammad's getting back a little earlier than I would like. I could wake up tomorrow and have Melender TKO round number one. Give me Muhammad decision. Who do you have in this fight? Right now, I actually have Melender KO round number three. I want to move it up to round number two. Something about Belial Muhammad's ego won't allow him to use the wrestling. It's like a Justin Gaethje in ways sometimes. He wants to stand and bang and in way that mentality is what makes me think he's set up for this fight. So eight weeks to ten weeks ago, whenever this friggin' fight was that he just this battle that he was just in, and now he's gonna come in there against a guy like Curtis Melinder. So he's going to lose his nose, the ability to breathe out of his face in the very first round. And that's going to weaken him. Curtis Melinder has decent takedown defense. Yes, we did see it exploited a little bit, but I think he's just the bigger guy here all the way around. And I don't like that few months ago. 
-hmm. I like Belial. He's like a grinder. He's good for 15 minutes of a fight. Just, homie, I can't get down with two months. I have Melinda Kale round, round number two. I might have to... That I might have to spread both guys out on cards and maybe only go 30% on both guys. Only because I can see Belial Muhammad in another gruesome battle. But he, like you're saying, he looked like garbage by the end of that last fight. And oh, the body can only take so much. Yep. I don't know. I'm going to stay away from Belial Muhammad on this fight. I'm going to have Curtis Melinder maybe on like 30% of my cards. I just don't like that two months ago battle. I totally agree. I think you could put either guy on it. Obviously, the value on DraftKings as the underdog plus 105. Curtis Curtis Melinder, 7,700. Because the other thing I have to say, Zaleski is Wolverine. Like a monster-sized dude compared to Belial. I just, even though he exploited that... I just don't know. Like, it's that two months ago. He was in a uh, change of type of life type of a and fight. we do know this as well. I understand that Melinda, you're like, hey, Melinda just lost a month ago. Yeah, that submission loss like that is a totally different thing. I totally agree. Like, he went to training on Monday and was like, I'm fine. Like, that I'm was fine. just, I yeah, know. I got choked out. Where Muhammad got battered for three rounds. Even, yeah, I mean, he controversially might have won that third round. But he was, no, he was knocked down in every round. It was just... I could, again, I tomorrow love I could switch. I love everything about Belial, except for that time frame. I could switch, but I agree with you. He's the younger guy of the two, I think, is he? Am I making that up? He is by a year. 30 yeah, years old to 31 dude, years old. He seems ring old to me. He is like octagon old. That is the double O. He got that octagon old. He got, and here I'm saying another thing too. All Rufus sport or no Rufus sport? Ooh, so where are you on this one? No Rufus Sport. No Rufus Sport. Interesting. I mean, I could still wake up and go with Melender. I don't agree with the line on DraftKings for 8,500 for Muhammad. Minus 125 favorite. This is a real coin flip. I might go. I got Michael Melender. I really don't like that head trauma as of late. But that's a really close fight. That's a fun one. That's one to watch regardless. That's a fight. Get your friends. Get your wife. Be like, hey, come watch this, guys, because this is going to be some crazy shit that's going to happen on either side. Submission or uh, knockout for the you other fighter. Finish. So I think I think finish. that, uh, yeah, a prop. Inside the distance. Totally, totally. That's what I see happening in that fight. I don't see a decision coming up. So expose yourself either way. On to 135 pounds. We have Boston Salmon coming in versus Khalil Taha. Taha being 12-2, and two, getting a loss in the UFC against Nad Naramani. In his debut, he's a brace fighter who's only lost outside of the organization of the UFC to Usaku via guillotine. But Taha comes in with Chris Boxing, stout young man out of Germany, moves forward, okay head movement. He's got a really thick neck and relies on that chin at times. Uh, on the ground, he seems a very, very solid. His takedowns are powerful. But he does start to slow down, especially after that first round. That dense muscle just starts to, he starts to load up on his shots a little bit more. His limited head movements gets even more limited. And he's more just of a tank type of a guy. He'll stay in front of you, eat your best shot to be able to land his best shot. And a technician, somebody with game planning is going to be able to get Taha out of here. Taha's his borderline UFC, like if... Taha will keep his, he'll beat the bottom of the barrel of the UFC, but I don't think he's going to move too far forward. I know he's young at 26, 
so he can still grow a lot. As far as an athlete, he has everything he needs in it. He's just, he's gotten there with a lot more athleticism than actual fight technical ability. Tends to be a bruiser now that he's in the UFC. I mean, Nadia Armani really showed, really looked like a next level fighter in there against Taha. And we just saw Nad get pieced up in there. So was it Taha maybe just isn't even as good as we initially thought? But against the Boston Salmon, Container uh, Dana White contender series RFA contender. When your name's Boston Salmon, do you need a nickname? Yeah, and it ends up being Boom Boom, doesn't it? Yeah, I kind of like just Boston, the Boston, Boston Salmon. I agree. It's so weird. Like the Salmon. All you need is the, and Boston you're good. Boston the Salmon. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like this is a guy who has. Does he have to be born out of Philadelphia? Who? Boston Salmon. Is he born? Oh, to have that name? Yeah. Uh, Massachusetts? Massachusetts, my bad. <laughs> no, I actually went to school with a Boston. Interesting. Yeah, I won't say his last name, but I did go to school with a Boston as well. And I also think there's that m modest mouse lyric that like we name our children after towns that we've never been to. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. So do you think with the name Boston, since you knew one, did he grow up being a fighter? No, I seem like a chill, long-haired kid. Well, Salmon likes the boxing there at 6-1. and one. Only lost in the RFA in a split decision, but in the UFC, won his Contender Series fight over a year, eight months ago, and still hasn't debuted after winning his decision fight. I know a lot of people have been hyping Salmon up for a long time. The 28-year-old fighting out of Extreme Couture has heavy boxing credentials. Did he have some kind of surgery or something in between? I, do, I don't know. I did try to look up why it, it took so long, and I couldn't see any surgeries or anything. I haven't seen any recent. Um, I think he was taking more time to develop, and hey, that's really good. Uh, kind of saw it because he was a huge, I feel like, three or 400 favorite for his contender series fight, and it was a contested decision. It wasn't as easy as a fight as it should have been, and we've seen these Is guys that lose. Is he a gym favor? I don't, I don't think so. I know that Couture I has ha been on the opposite side of Dana White for a long time, and they recently mended uh, some of those wounds that they had. But Randy Couture was one of the few guys that was stricken from the UFC record for a bit, and he was the most winningest champ of all time. So I don't think it was a favor. I do think Boston Salmon earned his spot, but in a year and a half or a year, eight months, this guy can get all sorts of good at 28 years old. He can grow leaps and bounds. And striking-wise, he's good enough to take down the fence, especially coming out of that Randy Couture scene. And he does have high school, I think, semi-college credentials uh, for Salmon. But he really has more. Uh, is a really good boxer. Will tee you up. And I think that Taha, the way he moves, he moves with big swinging, looping punches on a straight line. And I just see... I'll kill you by a thousand cuts. This is Boston Salmon's going to employ more of a Dominic Cruz type of style where it's not going to be a knockout punch or kick, but he's going to be landed five to six punches to every Taha's one. So I got a heavy 30 27 Boston Salmon decision, but I see low points on DraftKings for this one. I do think it goes all three. Who do you have in this fight and so why? So you think uh, Boston Salmon by a very technical decision. Correct. I have Salmon decision as well. The only thing I don't like about this fight is that Taha's going down in weight. And it just makes anytime that a guy is coming down a weight class, I wonder how dangerous he's going to be. But you know what? I will also say this. We aren't seeing anyone succeed going down, but we are seeing a lot of guys succeed going up. So 
Labirugan in the rift. Oh, it might be a little interesting. Long. See, everyone that goes up usually do pretty okay, and then the guys that. So what about contender series fighters? Guys that ha fight at 155 and then come in and go to 45 because you can only fight so many times on the show, you know. Yeah. Uh, Are they the that only might guys? Be a different thing. They're the know? only ones though. I'm just because I'm thinking like, where's the loophole? Okay, I got one. Yeah. So that's that might the only be one. a different thing, but really, I won't even discuss them because I don't know anything about them, which is a little bit of how I feel about Boston Salmon as well. So even though mm -hmm. I have Salmon decision and I feel good about it in every way, um, I'm gonna stick with what I know, guys, and I'm gonna listen to the Bean on this and say, oh, so if we change the name of the show, Lesbo and the Bean. Oh. Like what? Like what? Other things that we've thought of? No. Um, what? What are I the fans gonna say? We are we gonna be? <laughs> if anytime I say the bean or you say lesbo, that will people will be like, what the? Well, our real OG fans yeah, will be real. like, duh. You'll know when you get there, kids. When you'll we start be calling there. each other by our real names. I don't mind it. It don't. It don't hurt. It don't hurt. I can take yeah, it. So I've been called worse things in my name. <laughs> so, so um yeah. salmon so decision. I, what about if your name like just oddly was like chicago tuna <laughs> uh, <laughs> i wouldn't be ashamed of that at all what about if uh my name was like um philly sea bass <laughs> <laughs> all right all right yeah salmon decision but i'm not gonna play it heavy i'm gonna stick i totally it. agree for 8600 the slight favorite at minus 130 boston salmon on DraftKings. Taha being the plus 110 underdog, 7,600. I don't see playing this fight anywhere for either fighter at all. At 170 pounds, we're going to have Max Griffin coming in against debuting Zalim Imadev. Imadev, the Russian fighter, is coming in with a perfect record of 8 0. He is fighting out of Russia, 24 years old. He's been out of AKA this last training camp and a half now. So he's been training with, um, I know it might not be AKA. I'm getting this mixed up. Who was he? He's in the States. The Russians. He was in the States and I can't remember the team he was training with. Go ahead. What were you about oh, to say? I was going to say that guy at AKA, I think that kind of looks similar to him is, uh, Khabib's training partner, who I don't think is in the UFC anymore. Isn't he the guy that got kicked out of the UFC? The guy that kind of looks like him on uh, AKA? A lot of them look like him, but yes, uh, I totally could be thinking of that. Are white people look alike? <laughs> are they white people? Eastern European Russians. I mean, it's tough sometimes. <laughs> it is tough, and he fits that mold a few times. But the 8-0 fighter definitely has been fighting a bunch of cans, just like the other debut fighter. I'm really surprised. At Max Griffin actually getting thrown a bone here. If you look at Max Griffin's record, 14 and 6, his losses are coming against top-level fighters. Not again, I mean, the 8-0 up-and-coming 24-year-old likes to throw some spinning shit in there. He likes to brawl, throws elbows, spinning kicks. Uh, well, rarely on the spinning kicks, kicks every once in a while. But he tends to move forward. If you look at Zetlem's record... He has been finishing, I feel like, all eight of his fights, but he's fighting 0-0 fighters. He's fighting 0-2 fighters Amadiev. out of Global 1. Amadiev. Zelim. Is that how he pronounces his first name? Zelim Amadiev. Amadiev and ended up just going through a bunch of trash cans. And the word on the street is the training partners he has found in the States, which I don't necessarily know if it's AKA, uh, is because... People that have trained with him here in the States are like, this guy's an asshole, and he throws spinning elbows and elbows at practice. 
We throw out practice. Dick. Yeah, these one of the that's Dick. eventually you limit yourself in training partners and don't get the highest caliber competition in the gym, so eventually you get stunted and that's just not a good way. It does work for a certain extent, but now you in the UFC, you're fighting guys that are gonna be able to eat those shots. So all of a sudden when we see this untested gas tank going around two and three, we don't know what he looks like. I haven't seen it yet, but from what I've seen so far. This guy looks like he's about to gas in the first round. It's just, he's fighting 0-2 fighters. They just came off. They got off of their taxi shift, got into MMA gloves, and are like, all right. One guy put down his beer tray and was like, all right, guys, hold on. Keep these beers cold. I got to go fight. <laughs> One was like, uh, did you hear how Max Holloway, uh, that his first fight, he really just wanted to go see the fights, but it was $30 to get in. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you're going to be a fighter? Okay, I guess I'm fighting. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> I love it. so funny. That's so awesome. <laughs> There's a couple other UFC guys that... I that's exactly how it happened, where they He's were like, like I, I had a $30. Yeah. They're like, I was just drinking a, near, a beer an hour ago, and all of a sudden, I'm fighting in the cage. That's how you know they're fighters, when they keep going along and love it. But, Imadilev, how do we pronounce that again? Is that Liam? Max Griffin, that's how we pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Max Griffin's fought, again, super high competition, losing his last two to courteous Curtis Melender in a decision. Tiago Alves in a split decision that was a robbery. Griffin knocked down Alves in two of those he rounds. Was in Brazil, I think. Yeah, there's no way Alves won that. That's one of the most egregious uh, robberies we've seen in a long time. And going to decision with Zaleski, who we just were talking about, what a monster he is. A hundred percent. Max Griffin's one of these guys that people have said he underperforms, but look at the guys he's losing to. It's I know Curtis Melender, but that stayed a striking battle, and that's because Max Griffin does not shoot right take now downs. max griffin is the underdog on this fight and i have him decision as well i think if you can make a couple of small bets in like right now because i can't see how he's the underdog it's been going back and forth there's a lot of hype on this russian fighter and it's because he's blowing he guys out of the water AKA. i think like, he is he might at be AKA. right he, he's got to be at a gym that has some kind of respect because i'll look it up while you're but with Max Griffin, he doesn't like to shoot takedowns, so we don't have to worry about this going to the ground. The Russian likes to strike on the ground. The Russian has shown good ground and pound again against nobody. So on the ground, I think Griffin, um, if it randomly gets there, he'll be able to get back up. Griffin's chin's held up. He's beat fighters like uh, Mike Perry, Eric Montano. Who else did he beat in there? Uh, he's got other wins in there. But he just has so much higher level competition, so much. It's already further up on the card. This is where those lights get to you for the Russian fighter. And I think after a couple of these spinning things, even if they land, the Russian fighter actually has a really hard left hand. He throws a really hard left leaping hook off of his right. And it catches a lot of people. But again, Max Griffin is eating these type of like hook, left hooks from other fighters gone in and been able to get a game plan, win a decision. I got Griffin decision. He's a Chechnyan fighter. He's their next prospect. Let's see. Which che Chechnya is the same as Dagestan, where it's Russia. War-torn. Yeah, it's Russia. But yeah, to be specific, I think they're very proud people. Um, I know, I'm looking. I don't see... I don't, I don't think I saw, I think I'm getting it confused. Uh, he was training with someone else that was a trainer that I did not recognize off the top of my head. But there was a lot of tape that I was looking into because 
it got deep with a couple of these guys, just their backgrounds out of the global M1 scene, though. Give me the underdog, Max Griffin. Agree. Stick with what you know. Max Griffin has done enough for you. Totally you agree. What's gonna happen. He's, he's not chinny. On DraftKings, 8,000 for Max Griffin. For the debuter, Zalem. There's your mid guy. You always need a couple of mid guys. Uh, agreed. 8,200. I do think it's a decision. I could actually even see Griffin finishing this in the third round because, again, we haven't seen this Russian get tested at all. So, for all we know, he could be a quitter. He's a front runner. Everything we've seen, he knocks you out in the first two minutes. In the second round, he got into ever. The guy he was fighting was 0-0 and was like, fuck this, I don't want to be in here. So, again, go with what you know. I think I'm going to actually play Griffin on probably like 60 to 70%. Points. 58 points for Griffin. Not a ton, but sometimes you need that guy. And with yes. a win on that, he has hadn't had a lot of wins lately. So with 20 points on that score, you're setting yourself up with a 78. That's right about where he should be. For I totally agree. Totally, totally agree. So a fun one we have coming into the 125-pound division. We have former title contender Wilson Hayes coming in against Alejandro Pantoja. Pantoja being 20-3, and three, the contender series Latin America winner only losing in the UFC in against Dustin Ortiz. Pantoja, maybe he didn't win the Contender Series, uh, but he was a finalist in it. Um, I could be even wrong there. There's so many of these Contender Series fights. But either way, Ortiz in the UFC Listen lost back, to... I'm sure you said it right. So <laughs> Pantoja getting wins over Brandon Moreno decision 10 months ago. And then as of late, beating Uka Sasaki in a submission four months ago, which Sasaki... Or Sakai isn't looking as good as we thought he was. Pantoja having heavy-duty leg kicks. Good Muay Thai. Great jab in there. Has serviceable cardio. Does slow down. But, I mean, at 135 pounds, these guys... Or 25 pounds, these guys move very, very fast. He's got a win in there over Eric Shelton as well in a split decision. So that should be a testament to some of that cardio. Pantoja just serviceable everywhere with power in that left hand. And with Wilson Hayes, some of the things that he's really been lacking in has been that chin. He has only been officially finished once due to strikes, but in every single one of his fights, I feel like Wilson Hayes usually gets rocked in some form or fashion and then has to scramble to his good double leg or single leg takedown, get it to the ground. And once he's on the ground, Wilson Hayes is a master on the ground. Now... This isn't, Pantoja's shown us on the ground that he likes to put in a triangle. He's held people in really gnarly spots and can submit you, but we're not worried about Wilson Hayes getting submitted. But I don't think that Wilson Hayes is either going to be able to submit um, Pantoja here as well. The losses that Wilson Hayes has at 23 and 9 is only to Demetrius Johnson in the UFC, uh, Henry Cejudo, and John Moraga decision. He's coming off of a win to bet, Big Ten to win. And I think that a lot of the same things that go in that Big Ten fight go into this Pantoja fight because I really only see Pantoja landing that knockout shot to get the win where Pantoja is serviceable everywhere. I do think that Wilson Hayes has a better all-around wrestling game. And Wilson has learned in a bit, especially after that Big Ten fight and those other knockouts he's had, that he goes for that takedown nonstop. He's really started to go a lot more to that grappling. And I really see an avenue for these shots once Pantoja starts to get uh, into his striking a little bit and back off of his takedown defense. He gets taken down in a lot of his fights. And I really see Wilson Hayes, if he doesn't get clipped with an uppercut or a knee coming in on the inside, even if he eats a couple of them, I think that he's been hurt enough 
at times and uh, can land in advantageous positions and not necessarily get the submission, but I do think he can get the position. So I have a 29-28. Give me a dirty ass split. You need another underdog. You're going to get him here with Wilson Hayes. Huh? For the bean, who do you have you in this fight? Diego Sanchez. I think fight. he's gonna grapple, fuck the shit out of him. If he's smart, he would do that. And uh, I just noticed that Pantoja's takedown defense has gotten better and better that his fights has gone on mm -hmm. since the Dustin Ortiz fight. Which, take it for what it is, I think you are the only person on the planet that called that exactly to go like that. Yep. In which you kind of think it's gonna happen again, which might sway me here. I want to put Pantoja decision just because I. This, you know what this fight reminds me of as well when you're saying what? this? Uh, who did I just have? Was it Moraga versus um, Divisio? Did we have Moraga as an underdog? Figueredo? I had him as an underdog, but it was the same. I was like, his wrestling, or Formigas? I was like, his wrestling over Divisio, and everyone's, he's going to get knocked out. I'm like, well, if that uppercut lands, he's done, but if it doesn't, he's about to get grappled into a loss, and I kind of see that exact same train of thought that exact experiment. same thing happening again what about uh was his last fight with ben Nguyen? was that a 135 yeah. or 125 i think it's 125 ben He's is a small guy 125 yeah it's been 125 and his I title who is and dj, DJ as well yeah so i don't know why he would have gone up oh i have pantoja decision right now um it's interesting. We'll be able to tell right away how the judges are and what matters. But I think the thing that's making me feel comfortable with it is the Brandon Moreno win. I just really love Brandon Moreno. Mm -hmm. I think he has a high ring IQ even when he's rocked in there. And he can kind of pull out these same things where he can get in the inside. And um, I felt like Pantoja was a little better put together. Um, hopefully he's prepared for it. If you know it, hopefully they know it. But that tends to happen, the wrestling, that dirty, grimy wrestling. I just think Wilson Hayes is kind of... This is more of a he's, cash on Wilson Hayes than it is. Is more of a fade. There's more of a fade. What yeah. you're saying, I agree and can see that as I just, well. I think Pantoja I has some of the most power in the division, yeah. and Wilson Hayes is just one of the guys with a shaky chin. Where, you're, like you're saying, he, he gets, gets hurt in every fight. Every Pantoja, fight. Pantoja is so aggressive that once he hurts and he jumps on them, that it could get called just with the amount of punches without defending. Like hammer fist to the side. Yeah, of Yeah, or something crazy, or uppercut, 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 uppercut. Um. Anyways, so yeah, right now Pantoja decision. But look at anything. I I just said the avenue was finish. Ooh, but I'm going with decision. decision, and I Which, have a decision. So, how do you feel for eight thousand eight hundred for the minus one seventy favorite Pantoja against Wilson Hayes's plus one forty five? Pantoja's points average seventy nine points. Oh, that's not worth it for for eight thousand eight hundred. He has to get a finish against Wilson Hayes seven thousand four hundred. Respect for Wilson Hayes is what everyone's saying. Because Cejudo got that knockout, everyone's saying Pantoja's going to come in. But Cejudo's been on a mat. He's champion. He's a champion. He just knocked out a steroided up guy. Yeah. He doesn't care. He <laughs> Still steroids. Still illegal substance. But isn't so, steroids steroids? True, EPOs, true, EPOs. true. It is encompassing. You're right. You're right. But that's a fun one. How much are you going to expose yourself to Pantoja in that spot? Because I feel like I'm going to probably put like 40% haste and then Pantoja maybe on one or two. But he has to get a finish. Like he, he's one or two because that. I'm gonna put Pantoja those. on one or two and then Hayes nowhere. Oh, he's that's a fun I've been one. Trying to fade for a while. Yes, you have, you have, you have, and I think I'd went against him finally the last time, and he got me. So we'll see. That's gonna be throughout the night though. There's so many close, but this is such a freaking stacked pay per view. 
These have been fun ones. And another fun one we have at it's 100. It's stacked, but it's hardcore stacked. Yep. It's for, this one's for the hardcores. There's a lot of, I, I think there's going to be more fun. This is going to be the one that if you're just a so, so, you're a sports fan. You're not necessarily an MMA fan. You're going to miss this one. And this is going to be the one that all the clips come from for the next oh, totally. years. Totally, totally. Coin flips all over the flip place. One being in Jalen Turner against Matt Frivola at 155 pounds. Frivola coming in with a 6-1-1 one one record, getting a dirty-ass draw against Lando Venata five months ago. Prior to that, he had a loss versus Polo Reyes, short-notice fight where he got knocked out. But he won his contender series fight. The Gracie Tampa, Florida fighter, is 28 years old and really serviceable. Clean boxing, good leg kicks. Good takedown defense, a scrapper. I feel like that got away from him a bit in that Polo Reyes fight when I it was short notice and he came in against the heavy puncher and kind of threw two sheets to the wind and was like, all right, I'm just going to go and throw my card out there because Fermola hits hard. He really does hit hard. And that's Lando Venata. Lando Venata was hurt a few times in there and uh, there was proper adjustments on both sides and that's one of the fight of the years. Go back and watch that fight. It was an amazing fight and both guys came to shine and... I really liked the uh, what I saw from Frivola's last draw fight against Venata. Venata, though, is up tentative. Venata's one of these guys that fights to the level of his opponent, and we've is really seen it nonstop. Venata is a... Uh, uh, cowboy. BMF. No, wait. No, he's an uh, alpha male. Venata was alpha male. Is he? Yeah, and I think he goes to... to, to, to not to Cerrone. BMF as well. He shares time between okay. those. But... I thought he was Jackson Wink Cerrone, maybe. But oh, no, Venata could be Jackson Wink. Yeah, you're right. That you're right. You're right. That we've you're seen right. Of them on the outside. That's kind of how he fights like that. But Frivola, good cardio. I mean, just all the way around. This is a guy with power that's serviceable everywhere, and I think that he's really being, I guess, undervalued. Even though this is pretty close to a coin flip, and there's a lot of reasons why. Against Jalen Turner, Turner's eight and four. Turner comes out and lets it all out. He tries to finish you whenever he can. He came in short notice against Luke, stepped in six months ago, ended up getting finished, but that's nothing to scoff at. That's nothing to, he needed that fight just to get in the UFC, even though he won his contender series bout, and he did his part. Turner's a very, very flashy fighter. He knocked out his contender series fight uh, via broken foot for Max Muzaki there, but... In the TKO that he got two months ago against Callan Potter. Potter is just really low level. And Turner was able to really use his size, knees, clinch in there to finish him. Jalen Turner's great first round fighter. He starts to get iffy second round. Third round, you're holding on to the seat of your pants. Because you're like, all right, Turner. You just got to not get submitted. And standing, you got to keep your hands up. Because he just is so long. I feel like the weight cut gets to him. He is 6'3 at 155 pounds. And he really towers over his guys. But in his uh, tall length that he has, that he uses actually pretty well, on the ground, he's really long and gets into weird scrambles. But he doesn't really understand how to lock up position. So he'll more make you scramble than actually uh, try to submit you. Where... On the ground, I think Frivola can get the better top position and land a lot better ground strikes. And striking-wise, I don't think he gets blown out of the water. I think he moves well on the outside, and I actually have another underdog. I think Frivola takes over in round two, and I see actually a third-round finish for Matt Frivola as an underdog. This is a coin flip. 
could switch. Crazy as hell. But that's a fun fight. Hey, I'm really excited for this. The kid with his dad in the corner. I could be wrong. I don't know about that one. I don't know oh, about that. I don't know at all. Um, you know, it's crazy as hell, but I actually have Frivola too. I just think that cardio is going to eventually catch up. He looked so good and going to decision with a guy like Landa Venata, which to me is an underrated guy. He's just one of those like grinders and he's 28 perfect timing i think jalen turner is being overvalued here a little bit i do understand how young jalen turner is um i'm wondering the weight cut as well i wonder how much more natural 170 would be but matt frivola is a guy that hits really hard and he works the body as well as the head um which i think is going to cut into the carlo cardio of jalen which we think we see get tested anyway yep. so when a guy is intelligent enough to like you were saying make the right adjustments in his last fight against a guy like land Venata against Jalen Turner, he's going to work the body a little more. He's going to work that cardio a little more. And I also think with the leg kicks, he's going to take away some of the worrisome power. Um, he has like hidden experience inside the octagon. Totally agree. At first, like when I first looked at this fight, I thought Jalen Turner all day. That's what I did. And then as and I then started, I started to, to dissect the, the fight a little bit, I love Frivola in this. I just have the finish coming in round three, but I see a finish as well, which is a little For Frivola? Yeah. So you just see a finish in round three, exactly what I just said. Oh, I thought you said two. I did say two. I two or three. I think I'm moving on to three as well. But I you agree. You guys are going to listen to that tape and say he said two. I did say two. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, but oh, I see a finish for I agree too. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sure I said two. But yes, I think it's a finish for Volo. Underdog there for yeah. that B. I like it. I like Steve it. Rola Favola. Going in there, look at the win. That's an exciting, sneaky fight. Jalen Turner is just one of those guys that if he doesn't finish, he gets finished, kind of in my eyes. So I think eventually he gets finished. On DraftKings, you're going to have to pay up for Jalen Turner at 8400 against Frivola, 7800 uh, How often are you going to end up putting Frivola on your spots there? you got to finish round three. I yeah, got round two, three. places for that. Under eight? I think he's going to... How many points does he get anyway? 27.8 average. What? Yeah, exactly. There are a lot of punches. They're just heavy. Um, Turner's an average of 61 on DraftKings, but... I think it's the dog or pass play there. I totally agree with that. Probably around that 40% for Favola as well. I might even put a shot on Turner or two just because I see an inside the distance that fight regardless. Either guy who gets that done. I do too. So, if you haven't liked and subscribed, remember at Weakneck Baby, at Zoltanite, at Lesbo and the Bean. It is where you can find us on, on Instagram. Instagram. On the gram. And um, also, you can find us with our special code LATB15 at latherandcompany.com. If you want to get that X, is it the antioxidant face wash? Facial facial detox bar the facial detox bar i'm gonna name it my mat bar because that's what i end up using when i go roll around just because for the beneficial flora of your skin is why they use it for their face it actually works to give you the best resistance to microbes in there i also really like their sandalwood smells i got one of those oh at home God. right now Woo! smells good I'm, I'm just digging on the uh, vanilla and tobacco. That's a nice... Though, see, we're telling you masculine scents, too. So don't get your lady... Well, no, get, like your la get your lady. Be like, hey, check this out. Get this for me. For my birthday. Yeah, be like, look at You might find stuff on here you like, too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they got lady stuff, too. Go for it. Oh, speaking of birthdays. Oh. 
Thank you. If you guys feel like sending Twitter shout outs at Zoltanite, you can send the bean a happy birthday. And he is officially um, a high level Mason. <laughs> <laughs> officially here at Lappy. Very high level Mason. My birthday wish was to break down a hell of a duty pay-per-view. And here we are living life to its fullest. Yeah. Thanks, living our best life. Thanks to the UFC for bringing that to you. <laughs> <laughs> the main event opens up with the rematch in... Oh, yeah. Before we finish, real quick. Yes. Lappy15, latherandcompany.com. Very okay. true. You I need that. To, that's right. Well, oh, you got to save the money. Yeah. That's what we do here. The money you're winning off this weekend, you got to put into that Lappy15. Yes. This is how you're going to save all the way so around. good. My grandma would say, um, those are those sweet smellums. I you like got, that. You got them sweet smelling songs. That smell good. That smell <laughs> yeah, good. That, that's what they call it in your video. In the military. Not, oh, no, in the military. It's that smell that good. Smell good. It's that smell good. They'll be like, mm, you smell good. <laughs> yeah, that good, good, good. <laughs> so, opening up the main event, the pay-per-view, you're going to lay down a good 65 and 99 cents for your pay-per-view. Is this officially on um, ESPN? Plus? Through ESPN Plus that you have to pay for this pay-per-view now in the United States. Or BT2, whatever you got to do. You're going to end up finding these fights. It's going to be a fun one in a rematch at 100 or at 205 pounds with Nikola Krylov against Ovincent St. Prue. Krylov being 25-6 and six, coming back to the UFC after a four-fight stint out of it after falling out his first run in the UFC. Krylov has some really interesting stats. Some of the shortest time in the UFC with the most fights. He has over seven or eight fights and still barely only fought like six or eight minutes. Uh, he just tends to get it done in there. And it tends to be with a lot of kicks. He'll come out there and throw question mark kicks. Not as much as that Zohan guy. But later on in the fight, but he will just throw kicks from anywhere. Throws uppercuts. A lot of weight into him. And uh, been really focusing on his striking game since he came back to the UFC. But what we've seen a deficiency with Krylov has been that submission game. Jan Blakowicz, one of our faves here for a long time, showed that he ended up lining up those body kicks, which eventually got Krylov to the ground. And once on the ground, Krylov does go for high percentage moves or very flashy moves, but not high percentage, high flash moves. And he'll get them at times. And at other times, he'll just put himself in a worse position. And that's exactly what happened in their first meeting with OSP. OSP ended up getting that potented bland flu choke on the ground and that's because Krylov was holding on to that head when he didn't need to be and that's him just trying to create a scramble and that was him being young. Still at 26 being his second run in the UFC, Krylov has a long time to grow. He's the guy here that's going to be end up growing uh, from leaps and bounds from fight to fight. Even though he lost that Blockovitz fight, it was... It really, actually, I was higher on Krylov coming back in after he blew out these bums in the scene that he was, but UFC is just such higher caliber, and we've seen OSP come in and get five-round decisions against John Jones on a day's notice. OSP is an athlete, heavy kicks, lost a decision six months ago to Reyes. He did get beat up more so than he's ever been in that fight, but OSP's always got that hard head kick as well. He's one of these guys that looks super gas after that first round uh super explosive he kind of runs at you Derek Brunson at times but it's really his athleticism and raw power that gets it done but OSP does have like Krylov very crafty submissions that are very um 
fluky. They're not, they're not high percentage. They will work sometimes, but if they don't, all of a sudden you've given up your back or something of the sort. But OSP has a calf slicer in there. How many 85ers or 205ers with calf slicers? None. It's just him. So, and three Von Flu chokes now that he has. I mean, OSP understands the ground enough to put these guys in bad positions. And last time I said against Yushin Okami, there's no way Yushin Okami gets Von Flu choke. He's a good wrestler. And then he got Von Flu choke from OSP. So, you fool me once, you can't fool me again. OSP has been on the decline for a while. I've been trying to fade him for so long. I'm going to keep trying again. I picked Krylov last time, but I think Blockowicz is next level. I think if Blockowicz was in the States, he'd be popping all day. So, give me Krylov decision. I'm going to stay away. A lot of people are saying this is a finish fight. I'm thinking Krylov is like, fuck this guy, I'm not going to the ground. And then he just pitter-pats him until it's a decision. That's what I got in this fight. Who do you have and why? I don't think he's going to be good enough eventually to decide whether or not he goes to the ground. The interesting thing about Nikita Krylov, like when he came back, I was a little worried. You guys know I'm high on Jan, so I didn't ever go against him, but I was just worried for Jan because Krylov is a guy with the tons of power. Mm -hmm. He left to go and, you know, get better because he was realizing he wasn't no, I think they asked him to sign a contract and he said no, like he stepped down. I think right. he's one of the very few guys that was like, I'm I need not, to get better. I need to get better. So he steps down to a lower organization, fights a bunch of, like literally every two to three months, fights a can. And all that got better was his ego. Yep. So he's coming back. I just think OSP is the guy that proves me wrong over and over again. And he just has that crazy, he, he has okay power on his feet killer ground game um he's just like a, a well-rounded 205 dude the perennial gatekeeper like a word that i hate to say 100%. i just don't think nikita is up to this level and it's so crazy because the 205 was kind of a lacking division for a little bit but it isn't anymore we got some good 185ers stepping up and some yet fresh meat like with the anthony smiths and the um you know uh uh, you know, Oven St. Prue. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. I don't think Nikita Krylov is necessarily one of those dudes, or maybe he needs to switch camps or something. But the Fight Night's global scene we see over and over again tonight. They feed people cans. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to go stick with what I know here. And it's no offense to Krylov because I know I've seen him fight before, but I just, it's been a while since it's been well. And St. Prue. He'd be a more dangerous guy for Jan Blakovitz. They probably just fought or something. Yeah, I'm sure they've all fought. This has been an uh, incestual division, to say the least, even with this guy who's taking a little break. I feel like a lot of these matchups... Submission round three, though. I could move it to round two, but I think it's eventually he's not going to be able to stay away. It's like that Danny right. Amaya. He's just going to headhunt the whole time. So, on DraftKings... This is going to end up being 8,200 for Nikola Krylov against OSP's 8,000 even on DraftKings. This is the epitome of a coin flip. Minus 115, minus 115. The odds makers have this near even. Here at Labby, we have it. A coin flip. Pick with whoever you want. You have Krylov? I have Krylov decision. Oh, oh wow. Okay. So, I think I'm actually going to expose myself like 20% to either fighter. And that's going to be it. So 40% total, but 20% either guy on my mix-up of cards in there, for I'm sure. A, I'm, I have to look up my Krylov record to see if I've ever been wrong. Oh, I've been wrong on Krylov a few times. That guy bit me. I'm uh, five 
He right. lost to Gross Barros, I think. I'm five know? right, two wrong. I have I went with Jan. Good call. Uh, I went with Nika, and then he freaking lost. And then I the other two times I went with him, he won. But that was back at UFC 201. And was he fighting tomato cans? I am five and three with Krylov. So take it for what it is. We're both not doing bad with Krylov. So that doesn't help either of you guys. <laughs> either of you guys. Any of the info there. But that's a fun one either way. Super excited for that one because it's going to be greasy. Whatever ends up happening there. At 170 pounds, we have long time fighting. We haven't seen him for a while. Alan Joban versus Dwight Grant. Grant coming in with a 9-2 record recently, won a month ago over Carl Petrozzoli, TKO. Prior to that, he ended up losing to Zach Otto in also a robbery. Go look at that fight. Zach Otto wrestled him mainly in that fight, but even then, Dwight Grant fought off most of those takedowns. It was that Zach Otto was in his hometown, 100%. So, Dwight Grant... Definitely feeling the love here at Lab B from White Grant. You know, we he got some fans here spreading the love. But good striker. Okay, takedown defense. On the ground, we really haven't seen much. He likes to keep it striking. And it is... Oh, sorry. I'm thinking of Alan Joban. I was going to be like, he killed Ben Saunders. I was just looking at their record. He did kill. Was it in Orlando we saw him kill Ben Saunders? That was brutal. It was an elbow to the side of the head that we heard all the way in our nosebleeds. I was plugging my nose when I could hear it. It was brutal. Poor Ben Saunders ended up eating a brutal elbow, but that was a year, a month ago in Orlando. Joe Ben likes to keep it striking. The model's been on, uh, what is that, Karen and... Uh, the fighter or the whatever their podcast. He's definitely doing many things outside of just fighting. Karen and the fighter. What is it? I don't know. Oh, I think it's. That's just funny though. Karen. I don't think it is. Karen. <laughs> Karen. What's her name? Is it Karen Bryant? I flushed the drugs down the toilet. You did what, Karen? That's what I always <laughs> think with that name from Goodfellas. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, but Joe Ben um, likes to keep it striking. He's a tenth planet. Purple belt? Black belt by now, probably. Probably. Probably a black belt by now, but you know he's got those 10th planet ties. Oh, yeah, because him and Ben Saunders were friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was all, it was strictly strictly professional in there, but Joe Ben likes to scrap in there. This guy, everyone's like, oh, he's a model. He doesn't like this and that. This guy always has been in a fun fight. Had fight of the year contenders in there for a reason. I mean, tons of brawls. Doesn't worry about getting cut. On the ground, he's serviceable, but... Ben Saunders, not Ben Saunders, Alan Joban likes to keep it striking. And he likes to get in brawls, and he gets hurt in a lot of brawls. The reason we remember a lot of Joban's fights is because he's usually getting back up off the ground to land a punch. And 50% of the time he lands it, 50 the, the other 50%, he eats it, and it's night-night for him. So this is action-packed fight, but I feel like Dwight Grant has got a little more power, is a little more precision of a fighter, and if he doesn't have to worry about the takedowns as much, I feel like this is more Grant's fight to lose than uh, Joe Van. Joe Van is younger than Grant, but I feel like fight-wise, Joe Van looks a little more worn to me. He looks like out of his career that I've seen a little longer in the UFC. He's maybe started to slow down a little bit where I haven't seen a slowdown yet for Grant because I haven't seen as much from him. But what I have seen is... He sits back, sits back, lets somebody walk right into his left hand, and he shoots it down the pipe hard. But he'll also trap you with some really good Dutch double traps over with the left. So 
I think Grant actually finishes this round number three. I'm really excited for this one. I think this you could put either guy on it because I think this is an inside the distance common three throughout the night. This is must watch TV, guys. You've been waiting for a good fight night. You had a little break last weekend. You got to go all in this week. There's money to be made. Give me the slide underdog minus 105. Dwight Grant finish round number two. Wow. Who do you have in this fight and why? I actually um, have Alan Joban uh, winning a decision here. Uh, I just want to be like, oh, he kind of lost. You know, like, or you you said we felt like he lost to Zach Otto. Right? No, I thought it was a robbery against Zach Otto. I thought Zach Otto robbed it because he was in his hometown. Zach Otto won that fight, and I thought Grant won that fight. He had higher strikes, and I think was only taken down once out of, like, seven attempts or something. Hmm. I know. I do know Alan Joban is just going to stand and bang with him. We aren't going to have to worry about that takedown coming at right. all. And we also know, like, Ben Saunders is not hard. It's been a long time since Alan Joban's fought. He does have other things going on. And we know Dwight Grant's been active in there. Yep. That does make me want to switch to him. I had Joban because I want to stick with what I know here. But when I'm looking at, you know, the Nico price was really brutal. Yep. And then the submission to Gunnar Nelson. And then his wins were almost past the length that we like to count. We don't really like to start talking past the two years. Totally. Because you're, you're a whole new fighter in that amount of time. I totally. Bully Muhammad that way. Gosh, I think you might be right. I'm changing to Grant. I just think he, he's been in there. Um, that was such a quick knockout. He obviously didn't have to take any of the damage. Um, he's deadly precise. And if you're going to stand and fight with him... Dwight Grant, he's gonna hurt you. I do. I think he could finish Joe Ban as well. I got round number two. Shit. It's, it's this entire card has been this way. I could wake up and go the other way, but I'm a little more confident in Grant than a lot of these other close ones I've seen. Um, because you're not really worried about the power of Allen. Correct. Ben Saunders is glass. I here. exactly. That's not kind of what I'm thinking too. But I do like Joe Ban's clinch. He does what. Uh, he, he'll clinch you and throw that elbow from the clinch, and it hurts a lot of people. He hurts a lot of guys in it. He likes to throw a lot of sneaky elbows in there. So, oh, and Joe Ben's actually a little older at 37 years old to That's the 34 grand. That's where it gets to the age, like, yep. He's slowing down. Damn. Yeah, I'm going to go with Grant. I'm almost even wondering because you're like, well, Alan, Joe Ben's been in the UFC so long. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But Dwight Grant's here now. Let's Give me the body snatcher. I'm going to put uh, KO round three. I'm going to give... Alan Joban, tons of cred, but maybe he's also a smart enough guy to know when he's done. I could see round two. I don't see it happening in round one. I think Dwight Grant's going to feel him out to calculate all of the moves. And But, yeah, I like what you're saying there. Oh, you just switched my mind. <laughs> but it doesn't feel like I'm going against a rookie at this point. Dwight Grant showed us a lot in there in the time that Alan Joban hasn't been around. Very, very true. Very true. Alan Joban is the slight favorite at minus 120 again at 8,300 against Dwight Grant's minus 105. So you're getting minus money on both guys, also considered a coin so flip. apparently nobody else can decide either. Exactly. Dwight Grant, 7,900 on DraftKings. We both see a finish for Grant, so I don't see how you don't put them. But I think that you can 20% Joe Ban. I'm going to probably do like 50, 60% of Dwight Grant. I actually feel fairly comfortable with him in this spot that's still a banger though that's a brawl of a fight must watch ufc
at 100, at 205 pounds. We're going to have Eric Anders come in off of a two-fight losing streak against Khalil Roundtree. Is he short notice again? Anders? Yeah. I don't think it is. It is four months ago that he lost a split decision, which was really controversial against Thuradoa. Mm -hmm. That one was controversial. I feel like there's a bunch of these guys we've had on this card tonight where I'm like, ooh, they got raw deals in I these I feel fights. like Elias, did he get booed in Canada In Canada, yeah. yeah. It, that's, they, it was not a fun fight to watch at all whatsoever. But uh, Eric Anders got frustrated in that fight. Definitely. The short notice that he did and ended up uh, getting a dirty-ass split decision was against Lyoto Machida on a day in Brazil. He wow. flew down in like a day and a half notice and fought Lyoto Machida to a decision. Dirty split. So you got to give Eric Anders, your boy, all sorts of credit there. He is a Twitter fiend as well. I'm always seeing your boy on Twitter. He's always posting stuff. He's got good stuff on there. The 11-3 uh, fighters only beat Tim Williams as of late. He last lost to Tiago Santos, TKO. You know what I just retirement. Because I was about to do the yell when you were like, oh, he he's always on Twitter. And I was about to do the like, uh, train all day, Twitter all night. You know, like, <laughs> I just found so, out that that was um, Nick. But it's not. Nick, that's what people say. All day, all night, it's actually Rory McDonald. Oh, I thought it was Nick Diaz that says, yeah. um, uh, train all day. Joe, Joe Rogan by night, by night? Yeah, no, that's Rory. It sounds like the Diaz brothers, and a lot no, of people I believe like that. I even saw the clip of him actually saying it. Oh, I thought I, I thought it was an interview well, said it of Rory McDonald doing Rory it. Rory later, but he was like, train, and it's Nick Diaz, not Nate. Nick Diaz, yeah. I thought it was Rory, and they even talked about it when he was on there. Yeah, he's, he's like, I said us. it. I, th I just, I don't know, I was about to say it, and I'm like, I just found, I was today years old, because that's the new idea everywhere, when I found out Nick Diaz said, train all day, Joe Rogan all day, all day, all day, all day, Eric Anders likes to point fight, he likes to stay on the outside, has power, I mean, his biggest attribute is that he was a college player for Auburn, everybody says it all the time, I mean, he's an athlete in there, but he actually has good head movement, good placement of his shots, and a granite chin. Tiago Santos wasn't able to knock out Anders. It was a corner stoppage. I believe it was a cut or Anders somehow was just kind of like, I don't want to go in that third round. It was a brutal fight, but Anders does tend to gas. He's one of these guys that when he gets tired, he gets really loosey-goosey. His arms flail around, and that's why I feel like sometimes he gives away fights is because... Not that he's not in it, but he just looks like he's wearing the shots worse, even though he really isn't. He rolls with the punches fairly well. But against Roundtree here, all he's got to really worry about is striking because Roundtree's not shooting any takedowns. Roundtree on the ground is very bad, has been proven time and time again. He's gotten better, but his chin's also a little bit susceptible. Roundtree has tons of power, but he's one of these guys that can wake up, eat, the wrong thing and be like, I don't want to fight tonight. And all of a sudden he's out of there in 30 seconds against freaking who was his last Walker, Johnny Walker, um, four months ago. He got elbowed into oblivion. He was out cold. I mean, it was the same thing that Joe Band does. He cupped the head through that elbow, ended up going down. It was brutal. I had Roundtree on that. Apparently I didn't learn my lesson because I got Roundtree winning TKO round number three again. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm so surprised. I, I don't. I know. I don't trust me here. I wouldn't say you guys trust me here. You fooled me once. I guess you're going to fool me again. I don't. I just think Anders at 31 has been brutalized in there for a while. I know it was a dirty raw split in there, 
But if you don't have to worry about the takedown, which I don't think Anders really shoots in there, this stays a striking bout. And striking-wise, the chin of Roundtree scares me, but the actual punching combinations, Roundtree has better punching combinations. So give me Roundtree TKO round number three. There is like, ugh, I have to pick someone. If you're on the fence with it, I don't like that four months ago nasty bow oh, that you took from Talk me out of it. Talk that's me it. out of it. That's it. The only thing I'm saying, and um, not only the KO that he didn't want to go back in the third round, but I feel like that was a short notice fight as well. Could have been. Um, the interesting thing that I think about this fight is that uh, he went down, Eric Anders cut to 185, and he decided he did not like the way his body felt there. And now we're, we're seeing him back up at 205. Um, I almost just made a new lap B-roll. We like the guys that fight up. I'm picking Eric Anders on that, and that, and... Khalil Roundtree has knocked out some guys. I have the worst Khalil Roundtree record. I feel like out of his fights, I've picked right like three times. I'm going to try your boy. I'm going to go with your boy here. I don't feel really... I think this is going to be a boring decision. I have Anders' decision. Uh, I think this is going to be two sweaty guys laying on each other for the last five minutes of the fight. Out of seven fights for Khalil Roundtree, I have picked three right, four Me wrong. Too. So, absolutely trash picks on Roundtree. Uh, I don't know how much I'm gonna end up playing him on DraftKings. Anders is gonna end up paying, is gonna end up costing nine thousand on DraftKings. But Kings. Eric Anders wants a fight. He was frustrated with Elias running. Yep. He's got a fight. They're gonna, they got a fist fight. We gonna see a fist fight. The first few minutes of the fight are gonna be, it's gonna be a banger. Oh, definitely um, agree. But I do think it's just gonna get. I think both guys have okay chins. Is Roundtree known for? I no, Roundtree doesn't elbow. have a good chin. Is what I'm saying. That elbow to me was brutes. Brutes. I just don't like that it was so close. Otherwise, I think this would be a stand and banger. Otherwise, Eric's going to catch him eventually. So, on DraftKings, 9,000 for the minus 180 favorite Anders, ya boy, against the underdog, plus 155, Khalil, Roundtree. I'm going to put Roundtree on like 30, 40%, and I'm going to put Anders. Because, again, how many inside the distance fights do we have tonight? This is another one, is it not? Well, you have decision. Have decision. You have decision. decision. I have an inside the distance bout, but I think, again, fireworks, it could be those first two minutes and someone's night-night. Someone's four, sleeping. I have four fights that I think are going to go to the distance so far tonight. Or, I'm sorry, four that I think are going to be finishes. Oh, when they're all finishes, I'll be honest with you, it's boring as fuck night. Because you're like you're waiting too much time. 100%. Between. And it's fine in the beginning of the night. Everyone's hot to trot, drinking. Whoop, whoop. By the end, everyone stopped drinking. You got your water in front of you. You're like eating snacks. You're bored of. Maybe that's how you roll. Because there's some hardcore fans out there that are like, no, that's when you start to get good. Oh, quick in the, oh, yeah. in the, the ninth round. I always am planning for my um, golden tea Sundays. <laughs> Your leisure weekends. Yeah, I gotta go golfing on Sundays. Uh, you guys know. Always the morning after is always a little brutal here at Labby, yeah. so we try to get ready for that. You know, try to take care that of it. That is true as well. There is the morning after. Your your plan B. You gotta have your plan B. A hundred percent, hundred percent. So. The co-main event, we go an interim belt underway. We have Israel Adesanya coming in with a perfect 16-0 record against the perennial contender Kelvin Gastelum at 185 pounds. Kelvin's coming off of a two-fight winning streak, being 16-3. The UFC 
tough standout, won his show at 185 pounds, moved down to 170, moved back up, and his last one, his last two, only losing to Weidman in his last three, last beating Jacare Souza in a split decision. Kelvin comes in with one of the cleanest one-twos in the game. That straight right to a piston of a, or that jab right to the piston of a left is highlight reel, vintage Kelvin Gastelum. You know his wrestling is on point, even though he doesn't go to it. Out of his last five fights, I think there's ever been only one takedown that he's even attempted, and it was more than likely a half-ass takedown to throw that left again for Kelvin Gastelum. It's his boxing. Kelvin has big shoulders, really likes to uh, slip his punches. Some of the best head movement in there. I mean, Kelvin Gastelum has some crisp-ass boxing and good entries and exits. he's one of the most... Um... Age-wise, he is one of the most tenured fighters. Yeah. fighters. Like, Agreed. Who he's fought is kind of unbelievable. He's all top five guys forever now. For a long, long time. In two different weight classes. You totally. Know? He's one of these guys that has, you're saying, new lap. Eru moved up from 170 pounds and has been flourishing at 185 pounds. Being old man after old man <laughs> after old man. Same can be said for both guys a, a little bit to an extent with Israel Adesanya, 16-0. and 0. He last beat the ghost of Anderson Silva in a five-rounder in New Zealand or Australia, wherever Who's they Anderson's were. Anderson's next fight? Gosh, he has a fight. I'm going to look Oh, up. really? What do you even care about? Why? doesn't even matter. It's like, all right, it's not for a contending spot or anything like that. But other fights Adesanya has, Derek Brunson, five months ago, he knocked out. Prior to that, he won a split decision to Vittori and to Brad Tavares. That split decision to Vittori, that wrestling really ended up flustering Adesanya. Really saw his gas tank start to be pushed a little bit. But Adesanya has had a meteoric rise and one of the biggest hype trains in the sport. Everybody's been on him. Everybody, I mean, a lot of people say that they're creating this interim belt for Israel Adesanya to eventually fight Whitaker once he gets back. And I can totally see that. But if I got to be honest here... I'm seeing some lines in the sand that are being crossed that I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, damn. What are you saying, Israel Adesanya? He said, I fought 20, year, 20 fights in a year before when he was a younger man. I mean, he's still 29 years old, but he's saying he's fought. He's only been in the UFC for a year, and this is his fifth fight. Within a year, he's fought. And, again, two of those fights went to decision. Well, three of those fights went to decision, but one was a dirty-ass split, and... The takedown defense is held up. four fights in a year because then the on the fifth one was a year and a month. Oh, ago. wow. Ooh, my bad. <laughs> but, I mean, but, this guy's yeah, record breaking. It's about to be the sixth fight in uh, 13 months. And so every other month almost. Every real, other month in a week. You have a training every camp? Every five weeks we're watching this and now, fight. And now you're fighting top guys like Anderson Silva, which regardless if it's the ghost of Anderson Silva, he'll kick you in the goddamn face if you ain't paying attention. So... It's something you got to be on for and you got to train for. And Adesanya has started to say, hey, uh, the interviews are starting to weigh on me a little bit. And I've been fighting nonstop. He was talking about taking a break after the Anderson fight for six months. And then they're like, hey, uh, do you want an interim belt? And he's like, damn, I can't, I can't give that up. You're giving me pay-per-view shares. Like, he just 
Business wise, exactly. Like he's in a, he can't refuse it because if he turns this down, then they'll say, okay, Gaslam, you're fighting Rockhold for the 80 or whatever. It's so weird too, because you would think here's another one of those fights that we were talking about it earlier. Right. That um, Israel is actually the younger guy here, but he isn't. It's just how tenured Kelvin is. Yeah. He's been in it forever and been showing. So we know that Adesanya on the ground could, or even getting mixed up with takedown, um, Takedowns can really fluster his striking game, and that's what Israel Adesanya likes to do. Throws a ton of kicks in there, up the middle, good punches to the body and head, great body attack. There is a bit of holes we're starting to see at Adesanya's game. It is later in the rounds. It is one of those things that he might let one or two punches through in the entire fight, and for us it doesn't look like a lot, but he realizes it, and now these top guys realize it as well. And we've seen many a times... You mess up for five seconds in there, and you have someone like Kelvin Gastelum to land that left hand on you, and you're going night-night. And the exact punch that Adesanya's only ever been KO'd once in K1, striking, and it was with that exact left hand that Adesanya fights. I forget, was it Petra or something that knocked him out? But it was a left hand either way. Um, he ended up hitting, landing it two or three times on Adesanya. I just feel like there's a weakness off that left side as Adesanya breaks on the exit. Later in fights, he's known to leave that hand down a little bit more. And I think that this is a very game plan heavy fight where Kelvin is going to end up giving up the first two or three rounds. But he's the type of fighter that gets better as the round goes on. He bobs and weaves. He does slow down, but he still has impeccable fundamentals. I mean, this is such, such a good fight. I'm actually really surprised as big of a favorite as Adesanya is because... I'm picking another underdog. You're welcome, everybody. Give me Kelvin Gastelum as a huge underdog, plus 185. Woo! Let's go, because I think it's a finish round number five. I think that Israel starts to take a break. I think all these months, every two months he's out of fight. Finally, he's like, okay, this guy doesn't stop moving forward. And all of a sudden, it's like, uh-oh, uh-oh, that left, uh, boom. And it's night-night. I think we got to finish. I think it's the O's got to go. For Adesanya, it's only a matter of time until you get that loss in there. It hasn't not happened to Adesanya. It's the first time. I don't have this fight picked yet. I've, and I would go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I think Israel has a precision game. I rewatched that fight with Anderson Cooper, mm -hmm. and it's a master class. Part of the thing with him is he doesn't get hit. He doesn't really take a lot of damage in his fights. And I also can recall when thinking of a guy that doesn't take a lot of damage, I can recall Kelvin getting frustrated in his fights when he can't land his punches. When somebody has the kind of style that Israel does, where you're uh -huh. constantly swinging at air, um, I can see it frustrating a guy like Kelvin. That and, God dang, man, Kelvin has had a work to get here. I don't like guys with the double camp back-to-back -back, that they're like, nope, I'll stay ready and I'll do that. It makes me nervous. Like, they peaked once, and now they're right back into training, and we're asking them to peak again at just the right time. The thing, though, that I will say is when I watch Kelvin get off the airplane on the Embedded series, I thought he looked bodied up for the first time in his career. I thought his his weight – I like actually the way both guys look at 280 or 185. I don't think either of them have the hard cut. I think both guys has a really nice cut to get to weight. Have you seen Twitter blowing up with Nasrat Hasparas? Hapkaras. Hapkaras. Nasrat. 
Nazrat or Baby Gas, as we like yeah, to call yeah. him here. Have you no, seen him? No. Oh, people have been like, Gasol looks bodied up. Awesome. <laughs> and he's shredded. That's and everyone's awesome. like, dude, Kelvin looks thick as fuck. Awesome. It's totally Nazrat. It's so fucking That's good. Awesome. <laughs> no, it's, so it's like, I'm a little worried here. And honestly, when I look at both guys' records, because we were just, I was just yep. talking about that, what a weak division the 185 was at one point. And when you kind of look at their, both their records, their wins are like, you know, like, or at least, you know, we're going to talk about the wins for the last two years or less to make them relevant or not. Um, Souza, man, that guy looks old as fuck. It was that third round, too. He looks old as fuck right now. Michael Bisping on show. Yeah, agreed. Like, agreed. It was Michael Bisping fighting on like a two week or three week notice after he was just knocked out to fill a card. Uh, the Chris Weidman. And he lost that, and I am anti-Chris Weidman these days. Vitor, shell of himself, and then uh, Tim Kennedy. Shell of himself. Um, shell of himself. So it's like when I look at Kelvin's record, I feel like, oh, you're about to go in against the first young man you've been into the octagon with in three years. Like Good you're point. about to go in against another, like, you've been playing around with, like, old lions, and now you're about to go in against another young lion. Um, on the same respect, yeah, I do know that Israel Adesanya fought Anderson Silva, and that's the exact same thing I'm being said. But Derek Brunson's a guy with a little, a few fights left in him. Brad Tavares, that victory to me, that's kind of how I see this fight going. With that Brad Tavares fight, since we've sent, since found out, Maheta weighed in to be a short order's replacement because Tavares had a broken foot going into that fight, and they let him fight. I found that out recently. Hmm. Interesting, right? Yeah. And Tavares didn't look good that fight. That was one of the few times. The Vittori split decision was nerve-wracking. Yes, to that's me, but what Vittori I But is a younger guy, too, which I know you kind of can't. He's one of your, like, least faves. But he is doing better and better each time he gets out there. And, um, gosh, this one's so close to me. And this really, I know Kelvin has all the skill set. I just see him getting frustrated out there. And I actually see him the guy that gasses. I see. I think he's going to gas out mm. the two guys. Um I think this goes the whole thing. I think it's going to be a, a, a split decision. I think it's going to be a close fight. It might even be like a close decision. People are going to be mad either way. That's how I picture this fight going. Yep. Um, depending on what you see, depending on if leg kicks count or not. Uh, if Kelvin would use his wrestling more, I think right. that could make it interesting. I just don't. I he think doesn't. Israel has, he yeah, doesn't. He does, it's he like saying do Justin it. Gaethje. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's 100%. the Justin Gaethje rule. So I'm going to go with Israel Adesanya here. Um, this could be the hype train getting me. It really could. I, I want to give, and I didn't pick it till now because I've gone back and forth and back and forth, and the kind of the stick with what I know would be Kelvin, but. I feel like I know enough about Israel now. He's just getting better and better up out there. I don't like either guy. At least they're both on the same shit uh, cycle for yeah, this the guy that fell out. They lost. both peaked at the exact same time last time. So if everything went right, right, they were both on the same fight card. So I do like that. I do kind of see what you're saying, though. I think that this can look a lot like a sparring match for a lot of the five rounds, where all of a sudden people are booing, like, what did we get? But it's because it's high-level stuff I they're think doing. We're gonna, uh, Kelvin's going to get close. I, I think, think he's going to land a few, but That's he's going to lose think. his power by the time he lands uh -huh. the few. And I think there's going to be sometimes that we think he lands, that when we watch it back again in slow motion, it's, it looks a lot like that Anderson Silva fight. When you watch that back in slow motion, that you're like, damn, he hardly got hit. Yep. Like, Or, he, you know, a very similar guy with that. Max Holloway, a very similar guy, where you watch so, it back and you're like, oh, he didn't get hit as much as I thought. 
So, before we get there to the main event, Adesanya being a minus 180 favorite is going to end up being 9,200 on DraftKings against Kevin Gastelum's Kelvin Gastelum's underdog plus 155, 7,000 on DraftKings. I'm going to be playing Gast here probably around 50 to 60%. Adesanya, I think he has to get a finish there to pay it off, and I don't necessarily see a finish there. I think Gastelum's chin is the way we've seen people get him out of there is submission. I don't think that Adesanya is going to be able to even get there on the ground. We haven't seen it, so it's a decision or gassed for me. So I think the only play here, DraftKings wise, is pretty much gassed. I don't see that 9 2 paying off. What's average points? 89 points on DraftKings is his average. I, that's how I see him. I see him like a ninja going yeah. out there and just laying out points, laying out points. Kelvin's out points. average is 82 for 7,000. His is finishes, though, with old men averaged in. For real. Like, liter legitimate. Yeah. Like, Israels are all uh, mostly decisions. 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 So he's getting that many, like... Strikes. Um, he d obviously doesn't have the power that Kelvin has to worry about, which could really pay off to the advantage of Kelvin Gastelum. But when was the last time he was in there against the guy with tons of power, that Bisping punch? That Bisping one punch? That was that Bisping punch. That one-eyed Bisping punch. Yeah. I think I think Israel is going to be a, that speed that Kelvin usually has going in there, that speed advantage. Uh -huh. I think it's going to be equaled out a little bit. I'm not saying that Israel is going to be faster, but I do think it's going to be a lot different than Kelvin's been in there with for a while. I like this fight. I love it. Uh, I really like this fight. It's a really interesting fight. I'm excited for it. The only one that could possibly make me any more I'm excited. I'm kind of glad we split on it. Me too. And I could see actually see myself having Kelvin by game day. After weigh-ins, yeah. we'll have to receive what happens. But I think they're both going to look good at weigh-ins. Yeah, too. I totally I think agree. This, I, and I only saw them both in clothes, but I really love the way they both looked. Such a fun one. Again, only one that's going to get me more hyped throughout the night is the main event. The way we're going to close the show the right way at 155 pounds is a rematch. Number two, they met years ago, and Dustin Poirier ended up getting the win triangle arm or triangle choke against max holloway the current champion at 145 pounds he's moving up this is for the interim belt as well is this for the 55 interim belt or not it is for interim belt you're right it is it is, it is the interim belt but this is just interim lightweight championship yep you're right both of these guys have had such studded careers on their way only losing uh well max hasn't lost He's on a 13-fight winning streak. Poirier has lost a couple in there to Michael Johnson in sense, but he's on a five- or eight-fight winning streak right now against Miller. But as of late, he's had three in a row against Anthony Pettis for Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, and he just recently ended up knocking out Eddie Alvarez eight months ago. Dustin Poirier comes in as a southpaw, super heavy-handed. I mean, this is a Louisiana boy who's been at American Top Team for a while, Amazing footwork. This is one of these guys that has five and seven punch combinations. This I thought he was at Rufus Four, but really I was just thinking of that. Is... I still get the mix. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Poirier, I mean, perennial top five contender at 45 or 55. He's moving up as well. He was a 45er for a while, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, both of these guys have grown so, so much since their first bout, but this southpaw hits with force. Dustin Poirier has been on documentaries from back in the day. You can see it in a lot of his fights. That left hand just naturally, you're born with power, and Dustin Poirier is one of these guys. 
He's broken multiple jaws in the UFC and out of. He's been sued in his life multiple times for getting in kid street fights and just... He's, he hits people with that left and he changes their minds. Max Holloway said the same thing. He's like, dude, that guy hits hard. I mean, that's a lot of people say that's how that triangle choke was set up. But both of these guys have since, I mean, been working on their game all the way around. Both of them are, what are they, jack of all trades, masters of many trades at that. Like, they, they are proficient everywhere. On the ground, I am going to give it a bit more to... Um, Max Holloway, but really? I don't even know how much I really can because he lost submission. But as of late, to Dustin Poirier, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, but I do think that uh, Max Holloway has shown that his ground game, even the limited stuff we've seen, he's really improved his top game. Where he's like, oh, he's not just getting readily sweeped anymore. Mm -hmm. Now he's like, oh, I know to back up and win with my striking. But Poirier's just as good. I mean, his exit on his entries and he's. He moves in almost Gastelum-ish in there when he moves fast in and out of the pocket. Poirier can do that at times, but also switch it up, switch his punches. I mean, head movement on point for days. This is such a profile fight. There's so many angles to look at it. It's just the traps that both of these guys set up. Unreal. Their cardio is unreal. Max Holloway, the fight IQ is next level. We've seen it nonstop. Also throws 5, 6, 10, 15 punch combinations. Unreal. I mean, slows down. But both, I mean, both of these guys slow down, but what do you expect? They're throwing 300 points. Go Max ahead. Holloway doesn't gets better, slow down. Gets better. His numbers actually go up every round. Uh, which true. Dustin's the exact opposite happens, that the last round, like, um, even their last four round, uh, fourth round fight, they only judged him up to there. Um, but he actually goes down where the last round might have, like, 13 punches. And Max Holloway, his last round versus Brian Ortega, 138 punches. Like, he gets more tuned in as the fight goes on. Yes. Where Dustin's a guy that comes on so hungry and so fast. It's But he can get you out of there, too. It's so fast. In a hand, a heartbeat, he can land that punch. Ask uh, Justin Gaethje. <laughs> I mean, it, that's a feat in itself. And it's just, it's rightfully so. These are the one and two guys in the division right now. I don't care what clip weight class. Have them go to 70. I'm going to watch this fight. This is just one and two guy. You level. think Max Holloway walks in being like top? Oh, at seventy? No. No, at one fifty-five. You think yeah. he walks? I think he walks in his top five. Over top five. You top know, five. You said one and two guys in the division. Oh, okay. In the forty-five division, I guess in the lightweights top five and at seventy. Because that's top why 10. Tony didn't take it. He was like. I'm sorry, Camp. It's just not the fight yet it's a, we deserve. It's a top five fight, though. For, and Tony's a top five yeah, guy. Yeah, but he was just wanting no top two, one or two Yeah. Guys. But does this make it them the top one and two? Because it's the interim belt. Well, so technically, right? You're right. It you're does. For sure. But <laughs> so. you were saying it's easily the top two, one and two. I was just yeah. asking if you agreed with the assessment that you're Max right. got to walk in it's, at this. It's what have you done for me lately? And unfortunately, Tony is still getting better. And he still just has so many I other issues. I agree with you. I, I was staring at it. I agree with you. I was more questioning than, like, uh, being... I, I agree with you full-heartedly. Like, Tony, it's like, I love you, dude, but him and Han and him and Han, it's not... And then you I, don't take a fight. Yeah, you know what gets you a money fight? Just another fight. It's just, like, keep fighting, stay fresh in everyone's mind. That's always a money fight. I think uh, this will be what... this. Well, you know what? They never have to. I found out this, too. So, you know the ESPN deal uh, with the pay-per-views? The They guarantee the UFC... 500,000 buys on every pay-per-view. Wow. 
That's what they're, that was the whole deal of them interesting. taking over the pay-per-view. Interesting. Yeah, it is very interesting. Wow, so wow, wow. I was wondering how many fights we're going to see. Like, okay, when we see John Jones, which we know he does over five. We know Conor McGregor does over five. We know Ronda and Brock do over five. Um, no one else really does. Uh, yeah, nobody. So it's a pretty smart deal on the UFC, but I don't know if we'll ever get to know those numbers again is the other. Oh, interesting yeah. if they choose to keep them closed. Nah, they are closed network. Yeah, I love the, I, uh This fight is crazy. This, to me, is like, I can't... If I were if I were to think in my UFC watching career, like top 20 biggest fights of all time, top 10 biggest fights of all time, this is everything. I, I just can't even imagine what this, how this goes awry. Totally. I don't understand. It's I don't not see boring. A quick finish. This is no quick finish. And either it's not way. boring either way. Either way you cut it. There's there's no way it's boring. That Dustin Poirier, the way he handles the first 10 minutes of the fight is seems to be the way that Max Holloway handles the next 10 minutes of the fight. Oh. So it's like 20 minutes guaranteed. And then we got 25. But we got 20 minutes guaranteed. I feel like a drama. Who's the better leg kicker in the, out of these two? I want to say Poirier goes to that calf a bit more. I and I think that that can play a role. I agree with you. I think uh, I'd give the kicks to Poirier there. So I think that might play a role just to see, uh, just to go in that way a little bit. The way I don't see that, though, is Max is one of the few guys that you are not getting anything off of him without paying for oh, it. Oh, yeah. Like you, you were saying 15 punch yeah. combinations. You throw a kick at Max, he hits you with three yeah. in, a, in a heartbeat. For sure, for sure. But... I feel like the line here is totally off. It's unreal to me. I am going a decision, Max Holloway. I do agree he does get better as it goes on, especially as other guys start to wear down. Out of these two as well, Portney has been talking about, and I think this is rightfully so, that look at the fight they had a good two and a half, three years ago compared to now. Max Holloway has grown into his body a lot more because he was oh, a 23-year-old yeah. kid, where, a Poirier, kid before. where Poirier, a couple years older, I stayed more of his same size. So there, I do think it's a different body size in there. I do think that that also could play a role for Max. But the minus 225 favorite, that's too steep. Poirier is too dangerous in too many levels to be that big of a favorite. I am siding with Holloway decision. But 9,100 on DraftKings, that's steep. I think that you can even stack these type of a fight. I think both of these guys throw so much that you can stack these guys. Five rounds and... It has a good chance of going to a decision. I kind of agree with you there, too. The only way to afford Holloway is get Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> well, who's going to get more than Dustin for cross? True. For 7-1? He's going to lay so many pies. He comes out there in the first two minutes of the fight and just is just like, da 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 He's so like fun. a gunny. I just picture him like on top of a <laughs> swivel gun, just like laying out tons of, tons of shots. Uh I see him having the kicks. I see him having the better ground. Max just has great takedown defense. Agreed. I love that Max is going up in weight here. I think everybody loves that across the board. Um, get him comfortable. I think he's going to have the speed advantage, which is something that Dustin's been fighting. He's another guy that's kind of been fighting old guys. He's kind of like Kelvin. Yes. Super tons of power, but been fighting. He's been finishing out. Uh, Alvarez. Yeah, which we just Justin seen. Gaethje, I love, but... I also, something about that fight, I feel like it was like four months off of, of a different brutal fight that Justin Gaethje was just in. 
Yes. Like, it was too close to a different war that Justin had. It, like, I don't feel like we liked that for Justin going into it. It was just too close. Um, Eddie Alvarez. And then some people, you know, he was kind of like he was beating Eddie. And then some people feel like Eddie took over the fight. And then the illegal knee happened. So they had to run it back, which kind of unnecessarily for some people had to run it back. But then he fixed all of his adjustments. And then Anthony Pettis with the rib injury. Uh, but he was piecing him up before that. I mean, yeah, Pettis but Anthony Pettis, I'm like, yeah. yeah. But then he just goes. <laughs> Thompson. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I. The worst out of anything, when I look at the full both guy, um, the the last two years of fights, Jim Miller, the win decision majority against Jim Miller for me for Dustin Poirier, that's like a little, it's a weak spot in the win of both guys. I totally I agree it, with that. Uh, when I look at, you know what, I just see this going very similar to Jose Aldo versus Max Holloway. In so many ways. I think he's going to come out strong and just fade out as the fight goes on. And as Max turns it up, the exhaustion takes over. And that's when he cuts you by a thousand cuts. And eventually, you're just not swinging back. That's really... It's not that Max is going to KO you clean like Pettis did to Wonderboy. It's because eventually, you're just shelling up and not swinging back. And the ref has to call it. Yep. That's kind of how I see this finishing. I think this is going to be a bloody, nasty, gnarly... Totally amazing agree. display of artistic beauty. I love Max Holloway. I love Dustin Poirier. I love both these guys. And I love your stacking idea. I think this is, um, I just don't see, I don't see you going wrong with putting either guy on a I totally agree. I think that you got to play either one of these guys, if not both of them. I just, I think Max Holloway actually has the potential to be being one of those like Yoana numbers. And I call them like those where they get like over 120, over Yeah, 130. 130. Yeah. I can see that. I agree. For Holloway. Over Poirier, but I see Poirier for his as 85, cheap as he is. 85 points easy. Yeah, it's a comfortably. Yeah. I exactly. That, yeah. Totally, totally agree with that. So remember to like and subscribe across all facets. We'll be back with the morning and after because it's going to be a heavy one. Remember to drink that water. Remember to like and party. You got to drink Everywhere. that water because we're going to Hotlanta, baby. Ooh! Love you. Thanks for the beat. Thanks for listening to Lat B. For all things Lesbo and the Bean, head over to lesboandthebean.com or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.